so let's try this out, folks. Um, controversial topic today, and I'm probably going to alienate some of my audience because I know who some of my audience is, and I know they are huge fans of the two people I'm going to talk about today, but please hear me out, please. Because what I'm talking about is something that's prevalent in the music industry. <laughs> as soon as I say that, I, I say those two, those few sentences, and I'm sure many of you are like, oh yeah, he's gonna go talk about this again. Just hear me out. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous. I'm actually nervous to get started into this. And uh, I, someone I actually would really like to hear comment on this particular episode more than anyone is Ryan Sorensen. Um, that guy's got like the most eclectic musical taste of anyone I know. Uh, he just put together this uh, song list of the best indie bands of Winnipeg. And. Um, I'm listening to it, and it's like, what the... This is really all over the map, and I like it. Don't get me wrong. I, that's why I like it. His, his taste is so eclectic. So this might be a, an interesting one to get his perspective on, but I'm going to go solo today and get this uh, kicked out. So who are we talking about? Gwen Stefani. Oh, yes. Pop's Little Princess. Uh, loved and revered by her fans. Huge, ginormous star. Uh, has been able to play her uh, celebrity into a bunch of other gigs outside of music. By outside of music, I mean, I think she was on The Voice. Um, and she's joined that crowd of uh, music people that have gone over to the voice to be judges, to voice, to, uh, to judge voice, if that makes sense. Um, she's really well liked um, by her fan base. I, I think her fan base is probably rabid, if anything, probably a way to describe it. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, huge star. Uh, as a vocalist, very, very good. And in fact, um, and we're going to touch on this, touch on that in this episode. I think her talent as a singer is actually very underrated because she seems to be judged not on vocal ability, but on uh, catchy dance tracks, uh, high glamour uh, music videos, being on The Voice, being a celebrity. I think a lot of times people forget that she actually sings. Um, because I, I don't know if she's part of the, the movement of lip-syncing your your shows or not. She might be. I'm not sure. I, I'm hoping she's not because her background would beg to differ. Ah. Not sponsored by, but I definitely enjoying my Starbucks coffee today. So... I've got a beef. I guess it's a beef, and it's also it's a it's a uh, a confusion. And the beef I have is with the confusion. 
And this is totally going to roll into the other performer we're going to talk about. Gwen Stefani's roots were in punk, ska, that kind of stuff. She was part of the the, uh, the scene in California. Uh, she was rubbing elbows with Sublime, and I believe Rancid. Uh, that whole, I guess, SoCal scene. She was like knee-deep in it and did really, really well uh, in there. She was, she, you know, she earned her cred in the scene and uh, she had uh, an amazing vocal delivery that worked really good for the kind of music that the band No Doubt had. And she joined No Doubt. I don't think she was the original singer, but by the time they had records out, I think that's how that worked out. She was kind of let in. And um, her vocal style... If you listen to No Doubt, and I mean early No Doubt, I mean Tragic Kingdom is is a great, great album. Despite some of you I know, stop it, I can hear some of you laughing at me when I say that No Doubt, Tragic Kingdom is a great album. Hear me out, let me finish. So... I know this is going to be polarizing, a polarizing episode because there's going to be people on one side of the equation that are going to be deriding me for uh, loving the Tragic Kingdom album and the other half are going to be deriding me for not liking her latter stuff. Tragic Kingdom is a phenomenal album. It's a phenomenal band album. But some something happened during the recording of that. Not the recording of it, I guess. Not so much the recording, but the 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 release of the album really changed how the band was. She Gwen Stefani was a member of that band. There was definitely a, a team environment going on in the band. They were definitely one for a, one, you know, all for one, one for all. The music was not ahead of the voice, and the voice was not ahead of the music. This was an entity. They wrote catchy songs. They uh, they didn't downplay the drummer. In fact, the drummer was upplayed. If anything, every musician in that band was incredibly important. Um, and everyone had their chances to shine on every single one of their songs. Um, when I was getting out of my hard rock phase of drumming, back then I was just pretty much a drummer, and uh, you know I, I cut my teeth on uh, on uh, Kiss, and I cut my teeth on uh, later on Led Zeppelin, and. Um, hard rock bands is was what I was cutting my teeth on but in the 90s yeah in the 90s um, as I was a very young man and no longer a teenager as I was you know you know getting out of my teen years I discovered a whole other type of music uh, I pretty much I stopped listening to hard rock and really started getting into a lot of different types of music. Um, and I think the transitional band for me was Propagandy is How to Clean Everything. Um, 
yeah, I mean, that was pretty much it. That's what really flipped me. And then, uh, you know, along with that, I was listening to a lot of different things, a lot of uh, fat record stuff. Um, I mean, I was listening to Bad Religion, No Effects, uh, Fugazi for sure, and definitely Propaganda. I mean, that was the top. I was listening to, you know, 12 Eyes, I Spy, uh, Red Fisher. Um, i trying to think what else I was listening to at that time. Basically, like, kind of true, true 90s punk. Pre-Dookie, pre-Green Day. Um, and I was all over that stuff. The other band that came out of all that uh, was No Doubt for me. So I was learning to play differently, playing the ska beat. Um, and alternatively, because the, you know, the origins of ska or the background of ska has got reggae in it. I was also listening to reggae, and uh, I started changing my beat from a ba 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 to like that sort of you know that that drumming style that you get in ska. Learning you know to play in, in different time signatures and, and all that stuff, and, and really the expansion of my uh, drumming ability. That's that's where it was really really formed. Um, and uh, it was really pointed at that point. I was really, you know, I started going back to James Brown funk um, and, and really going there in the 50s Motown, like I guess 50s Motown, 60s Motown. And I was really digging that stuff and I was really trying different things. So when Tragic Kingdom came out, here's a band that had a phenomenal drummer. And no one ever talks about the drummer, it kind of bugs me. But a phenomenal drummer, just, you know, top shelf drummer, really tight. He didn't, he didn't over-dramatize with too many fills. Um, his rolls were good. Um, his fills were good. They weren't, they were busy, but they weren't too busy. They were a lot of fun. And it was all about keeping the, the groove of the music going. And, uh. You know, keeping people on the dance floor, I guess. And I mean, no doubt that for me, when no, when the No Doubt album came out, that's what stood out for me. Uh, that and the bass lines were really strong. Um, and I mean, and then the singer was she sang in a completely different style. She had this weird vibrato to her voice. It was so strong, so powerful, so uh, so in control. And I mean, this this lady could sing. Like literally blown away. So I'm listening to this album, and um, and you probably all know where I'm going now. But it gets to that one track, "No Speak," which to me is the throwaway track on the album. You know, there's always like a B side on the album somewhere, and to me, this was an obvious B side. It was, I mean, ah, let's just try something a little bit different. You know, just kind of fool around and do a song that's you know different for us. And it wasn't to me, the way it feels, it didn't feel like this was the song, like, this was just, it was just, you know, it was like, ah, you know, I might listen to it, but I'll probably skip it most of the time, it's kind of nice, but I didn't, I mean, it didn't stand out, it, 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 it stood out in that, yeah, it's nice, but, you know, I want to hear the other stuff, I mean, not that I don't like ballads, I absolutely love ballads, um, but this wasn't one of those. This was like, yeah, you know, this is, 
it almost felt like it was a joke song a bit, a little bit pandering, kind of like, ha, look at us doing a ballad. You know, it kind of felt that way to me. So, you know, I, I skipped it, didn't think too much about it, but I mean, the rest of the album was phenomenal. And you know what, it, it's kind of fun to have an odd track on there. Um, you know, like that. Um, I mean, there's a few other albums that have stuff like that. Uh, you think about Faith No More had, uh, they do a cover of Easy by The Commodores. I mean, that's the same thing. It's like, ah, that's kind of quaint. That's kind of, it's kind of cute. But, you know, you don't consider it as, as a standout track for the band. It's just like, ah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of cute. You might throw it on a mix just because it's odd, you know. And the same thing with Don't Speak. It was that song. It was like, ah. Like, it's not like it's a real song. It's just kind of whatever. And that's, you know, that was my take on it at the time. Because, I mean, the roots and the songwriting and everything was just so powerful like it, it just like ju- uh, just a girl or um um like strong feminist statements um i mean that's the thing i like too because i like my women strong like it's just kind of the way i am I, I love the uh positive message um hear me roar you know um i like that that's what i liked about it that song to me felt off felt different but I guess it's showing the vulnerable side take it for what it is but I I much preferred the um, you know you're not going to push me down I mean that whole punk ethic right you're not going to push me down you know you may say I'm just a girl but you know take a look at me you know like as a statement Tragic Kingdom was, was huge huge um so then, you know, post-release of the album, yeah, you know, they release a couple singles, they do good, uh, they've officially broken through, they're no longer, you know, they're, they're getting onto the next level of, of stardom, you know, breaking through that, ah, uh, there's just a ska band, like, oh, no, they're actually one of the better ska bands, and they're kind of ska-ish uh, music. You know, and people are starting to take notice, but then uh, Don't Speak is released as a single, and they do a video, and then there's a whole story about it, and they're putting all this importance on this song, like it's the most important song on the album, and it's kind of the way that the video was portrayed, and the way people spoke about it, and I guess this song had a lot of impact on a lot of people, but I think in a lot of ways, people kind of forgot that they'd released two singles previous to that, and maybe people weren't realizing it was the same band, um, I mean, the same thing happened with Mr. Big when they released uh, To Be With You and Extremes More Than Words. Like, they're thinking that's what the band is about. And, you know, ultimately, all those songs are like throwaway tracks. I'm not saying they're not great songs, but they're just kind of like a, a fun aside song to do. Like, yeah, yeah, this is what, you know, our sound is, is like this. But we also, you know, we just kind of fooled around the studio and did this song, which is More Than Words or To Be With You. You know, it's just kind of a, here's our odd little thing on the side you can listen to, just to show you that we have repertoire, you know, and, but this song got so much attention and so much notice, I mean, it's not a bad song, don't get me wrong, it's just, after the punch and power, and just pure street cred toughness, um, we're a unit, we're a band, 
you know, look at us, we're taking over the world together. All that is put aside to say, oh, look at our fragile lead singer. She's going through a breakup and he's in the band. And it just became a shtick. It felt like a shtick to me. And yes, it's a serious issue. And yes, they were going out. And yes, they broke up. And, you know, a song was written about it. And, you know, kind of sad, you know, that they broke up and all that. And, and, and fine and dandy. But all of a sudden, that one song stripped everything away to this band no longer being no doubt, but Gwen Stefani's band. And I really dislike when that happens. It's not Gwen Stefani's band. It's no doubt. They're all in no doubt. They're all equal players. They all contribute. You know, they all, you know, they all pull their own weight. And suddenly it's Gwen Stefani and no doubt is, I really, really detest that. You know, all of a sudden, you know, the guys in the band who write these amazing songs are not getting any credit anymore. And it's like, it's all the Gwen Stefani thing. And then it's like, well, she's so pretty. She's got perfect cheekbones. She's got the blonde hair. You know, she's got this rocking little body or whatever. And then all of a sudden it just becomes about that. It's like, well, hold on a second here. This is a band and the band is awesome. And now you're taking the elements of what makes this band great, casting it aside and focusing on the superficial aspects. Uh, no, on superficial aspects of this band and glamorizing and raising uh, awareness about the superficial parts of the band. Not the whole, just one little piece, one little moment on an album and throwing everything aside. And I take great offense to that. I, I really, really do. And it just drives me crazy. And I know, oh, it's their breakthrough single. Yeah, it's their breakthrough single to them stopping being what they were and it started in a new direction in the band, which I'm sure the label was leaning on them heavily. And uh, and all the the people surrounding the band, everyone that was elevating the band to this superstardom level, were saying, oh, Gwen Stefani, oh, Gwen, oh, Gwen, oh, Gwen. And then suddenly it's not about the band anymore. It's not about the music. It's not about their identity, their group, their, you know, we busted our asses for years in the scene and we've made it together. You know, all of us together, we made it together. And all of a sudden it's not about that anymore. It's about the singer. And that drives me nuts. The singers often get an unfair amount of credit. I mean, hey, I sang in Dome, don't get me wrong. But I realized my place in that band was I sang and that's all I did. I wrote the melodies and I wrote the lyrics, all that sort of stuff. and. Everyone focuses on that, but in, in, in Dome, in the band Dome, man, I was just one of four, man. There was four members of that band and everybody put something forward in that band. You can't say, oh, that's a great song, I love the melody, and that's all you like? You know, and it, I felt that that's what was happening with No Doubt, is exactly that diminished the band. So it rose into superstardom, but diminished the band. On the next album after that, they changed direction, which is fine. And then eventually Gwen Stefani goes solo. So keep in mind, people elevated No Doubt to the level they became before No Doubt was a single, or before uh, Don't Speak was a single. But 
all the fans that followed up, they're kind of like, oh, okay, well, yeah, they get the big single, but they still like the band. And, you know, they might have lost some fans over that single because the way the band was portrayed in media, the way the, they were interviewed, the way the band was discounted, and it was just all about the singer, all that stuff really annoyed the fans like myself. It was like, well, what are you doing? Like, yeah, okay, she's great. She's awesome. I'm not dis, dis, you know, I'm not discounting that at all. She is phenomenal. She is great. But no doubt is made up of four people. And it's that chemistry that gave us all those songs. And if you take any one person out of that band, it is no longer no doubt. Like, that's what I felt like. They were an all-for-one type of band. So now, you know, we kind of go through with them and say, like, okay, well, they released another single and they released another album and they've changed the sound. It's got a bit more of a funk dance kind of sound to it. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, they changed the sound. I guess it's still okay, but it's, it's not catching me like it was before. They're downplaying the guitar and they're downplaying um, the drums and it just feels more, less of a band and more of a, of a sound. But, you know, fine and dandy, you know, they can experiment. They're, hey, they're allowed to. Now they get all the money in the world. They can try to do whatever they want in the studio. You know, good on you. You guys made it. Now you can kind of call some of your own shots. But I think there was that album and then it was the album after that. I think there was one more album and then she went solo after that. And then she just released the pop album, like a straight up, you know, Un, like, try not to be mean here. It just felt very unoriginal. It just sounded like a lot of other stuff out there. When No Doubt came out, I thought they had a unique sound. They had a unique vibe. They had a unique groove. Um, they sounded unique. They, you know, I, I didn't really find that anybody sounded exactly like them. So then when Gwen Stefani comes out and releases a soul album, which is just you know, her singing, I noticed those aspects of her voice that she just wasn't using anymore, and she was just using a conformist type of vocal that was just, you know, you know like Katy Perry, or, you know, any of the other pop stars, the, I mean, I, I know they weren't around at the time, but, the, you know, Ariana, Ariana Grande, like, just kind of just fit in with everyone else, so instead of standing atop the, the pile of the pop punk bands, that they were, as no doubt, Gwen Stefani leaves the band to go form a solo career, just do a couple albums just for her, that sound just like everyone else. So she went from being an original to, hey, I'm gonna play music that sounds like everyone else. And I would have hoped that, you know, even wanting to go in a pop direction, I don't have an issue with that, but to just be so um, generic, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know what? She's kind of doing stuff on her own. But here's what happens. She went generic, and she, going on her own, she really, this was the final separation between her and the band. And, you know, and it's, you know, it, it, she was doing it for herself, and I agree. But just the way that the press treated all that, they made it sound like, you know what? She was always better than the band, because look at her solo career. She's doing this tour, and all this stuff, and she's got all these videos, and she's kind of not the the odd 
you know, geeky girl that we all, you know, that we all enjoyed as the front person for no doubt. She just became another, you know, platinum blonde bombshell. It's like, she's so much more than that, but they downplayed, I feel to me, and maybe this, this wasn't a, a choice on her part, but maybe it was the label, maybe it was the press. I don't know how or what, but they downplayed all of her power, all of her strength, all of her conviction. Um, all of that, I felt just got downplayed and then she was just another pretty girl again. It's like, no, like she's so much more than that. Like, I just felt it reduced everything she was doing to just being someone else. And it, to, and I, I know I'm totally reading into this far too much than I should be, but it just felt like all of a sudden, let's unpower this woman and take, take it away from her and just turn her into all the other Pop-Tarts out there that are just selling, I mean, I don't think she was selling sex, per se, the way that, you know, there's just over-sexualized these videos and stuff, but I, I just think they took away from the music and turned it into image, and it was all image. That's probably the best way to describe it. The music was all about image. I don't think it was so much about the songs as about the image of the songs and the videos and the conveyance of a visual thing taking away from the actual sound. So let's fast forward a little bit. She's like, okay, you know, I did my solo career stuff, ready to go back to No Doubt and just blow everyone's socks off. You know, I've been away from the band for too long. I want to go back to my, you know, my, my brothers in arms and just go out and make a kick-ass album. It had already been too late. The, uh, she had, there was a, I mean, I'm, there was a couple comments made to the media from her, and maybe I'm taking out of context, but she couldn't understand why no one was coming out to go see her. He, so he, he, here's the thing you have to understand about the media and, and how they view this. So she finally got to the point of shedding the anchors to her career to go on her own and be another pop star and be the biggest star in the world sort of thing. Everyone was excited that she had left the band because the people that fell in love with Don't Speak were the people that probably didn't really like No Doubt. They liked the ballad. They liked the following album that would, you know, had more of a dance uh, vibe to it. They didn't really like the punk outfit. So now she's going to... So to these people that found her at the Don't Speak phase, they're like, oh, well, you know, she's going to go back and do that boring old thing she did before Don't Speak, I'm not really interested. So the fans, the new fans she had made with Don't Speak didn't follow her because all they want to hear is her dancey poppy stuff. And the fans she left behind when she shed the band and went solo, they had already moved on to something else. They were already like, you know what? You guys were a great band and then you kind of pandered to what the media wanted of you. You kind of lost your, your street cred. Now, this is just perception, right? Like, this is everything that society and the media is saying, is, is doing and saying around them, and this is the way the story has played out. If this was a novel, this is how it would have been played, you know, this is how the story would have been written. The true matter of all this behind the scenes, which, you know, Gwen Stefani is, you know, oblivious to, because she's inside the machine, was that 
I mean, she thought, well, you know, like people love No Doubt. People are just clamoring for No Doubt. You know, want to see No Doubt come back. But what people really wanted was No Doubt to come back. They didn't really want No Doubt to come back, but what they needed to do was prove they could come back as No Doubt with the No Doubt sound, not the changed sound that was like a, you know, poppy dance thing, which is kind of what the new album had sounded like. It just sounded like solo Gwen Stefani stuff, which is not what people wanted to hear. She could have just stayed on her own and had that type of music. I think they needed to go back, <coughs> go back to the roots and be, you know, a ska, rock, pop, ska, whatever band, go back to that. I think they took a step a bit of a step back with Don't Speak and followed that wave and then stayed with that wave and then and then what? And then what? Right? You know, oh, this is who we are, this is what we do, this is, you know, whatever. And then hang on, I'm just arrived at my destination, I'm just gonna pause this. Sorry. I'd record these on the road, so you guys gotta, you know, keep in mind, be a little patient with stopping and starting and then all that sort of stuff. But anyway, back on the road, heading back in the other direction. So, as I was saying, her perception was people were clamoring for No Doubt, and she was right. But they weren't clamoring for another Gwen Stefani solo album, which is what it sounded like. They were clamoring for No Doubt. You know, punchy, poppy, um, letting the drummer do his thing, you know, having a nice groove. And they wanted that powerful vocalist back. You know, the one who, you know, who is being pushed down for being, you know, a female in a community predominant, you know, predominantly male-led and being, you know, the, the, the sore, th sore thumb sticking out but putting her stamp in the scene anyway and pushing to be, you know, pushing for her rights within the scene and, and you know, I don't want to be the Pop-Tart. I want to be, you know, I want to be recognized as a singer for this band, all that sort of stuff. I think that's what people really wanted back. But that's not what we got. I mean, I heard the songs. It's like, well, this is this Gwen Stefani or is this No Doubt? Like, I couldn't tell the difference. And there's decidedly, you know, from Tragic Kingdom and the, and the album before that, Definitely a different vibe, a different sound from the album that came out after Tragic Kingdom. And if you hear, there's a, there's a song she gets vocals on with, with Sublime. And it's just so much talent. And it just felt like, you know, it just wasn't using it anymore. Like just kinda, you know, looked at another aspect of music she liked and just kinda toned down the, you know, over the top quality that, you know, she was giving out. So, you know, there was a, a few posts or tweets or whatever that had been put out or a press statement saying, you know, the No Doubt Tour wasn't doing that well. They were like thinking she could go and headline and she couldn't headline with No Doubt anymore. Like it just, people didn't care and that's why. And that's, that's the story why. When, if you're listening to this, this is definitely not a diss or a jab at you. It's just explaining the story from the other side of the fence, from a, from another musician, myself, and explaining how perception rules what happens, and sometimes just going down to brass tacks 
and you know I, I feel like maybe there was more Gwen Stefani songwriting on the on the new No Doubt album and less of the band uh, doing the songwriting and I think it should have been split up the way it was in the past however that was I'm not sure what the writing you know the rules for writing within No Doubt work you know pre-Tragic Kingdom but that's what happened to a different extent is Maroon 5 or should I say Adam Levine the same thing happened there but the difference is I don't think Maroon 5 ever got the cred they could have got but they definitely got the popularity and a lot of the popularity was based on Adam Levine and his amazing looks an amazing body and etc 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 um, and it downplayed the actual music of the band and it was more revolved around how they looked and how they appeared and how they presented themselves which again the same situation oh check out this new song well can we see the video for it well no just check out this new song well yeah but I gotta see what they look like well why um, if you listen to older Maroon 5 which as a music guy a guy who loves music and as a guy who's a musician and a guy who feels that you can't critique something unless you've listened to it and actually really listened to it um, I'm that guy you know I, a lot of people take shots at, at, at Drake or or you know some people were hating on Eminem there for a while or some people hate Kiss or some people hate Ariana Grande or, or, or whatever you know all that hate is based on not even actually hearing the music a lot of the time. And I try not to be that guy. If I'm going to dislike the music, i got to go listen to it. And I can't just listen to it once. i got to listen to it a bunch of times. An informed opinion is what I like to say. So, um, uh, I think it was my cousin had seen Maroon 5 at some private party or something and she's saying oh you gotta really check it out and, you know I'd heard the one single on the radio I was like nah not my cup of tea she's like no 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 they're really good trust me I'm like uh, okay fine she made me listen to non-radio tracks way early on in their career and there was something going on there it's like oh they're a rock band I didn't realize you know I mean it was it was rock, but, you know, it was still very poppy. It had, a, you know, a poppy edge to it. But the rhythm section was really, really tight. And uh, the musicianship of the rhythm section specifically was like, oh, okay, you know what? I may not be a fan of the guy's voice. I, I'm not... Something about his the tone of his voice I did, but I'm not a fan of. But I can get past that if the musicianship and the rhythm section... As a drummer, I love the rhythm section. If, you know, if that's good, then, yeah, I'm good. And it was good. Like, there's a few tracks I heard. It was like, wow, this is groovy. Like, you know, that bottom end, like, they're really holding that shit down. And it's taking the song from just being a song to being a song that's arranged and made better. And, and there's a difference in songwriting. Anybody can write a song, but it's the arranging of the song that can make that song killer. And, um, 
I mean, and that stuff was like was well arranged, and you know, the band worked it out, and you know, the stops and starts of the songs, and and you know, just subtle changes of time signature here and there, and things like that. I was like, you know what, this isn't half bad. I think I can get past the singer's voice, which. And after a while, the singer's voice grew on me. It's kind of like some people don't like Neil Young, but then you hear Neil Young on the radio, or you listen to a couple of his albums, and you're like, yeah, you know what, I'm used to it, I'm fine. And I, and I got used to it. So I was like, wow, oh, this is good. You know, I might be interested in checking out the next album. And I did, and it was good. You know, it wasn't bad. Like, I'll give it points, you know. They, they pandered a bit to the radio on some of the tracks, but they still, you know, it was almost like, okay, we got to put a single out for the radio. Here's the single, but here these three other three other songs after it. You know, those are my roots. Like those are the roots of the band. So you know, I could dig it. It's like I could understand. You got to do a little bit of selling out if you're on a record label. You got to do a little bit of selling out, but you know, you still put in you know the essential songs you need on that album to still be a rock album. Then. Um, fame got in the way, just like with No Doubt, all of a sudden it's Adam Levine from, you know, from Maroon 5, and it's like, the other two guys never got any credit, they never get mentioned, I don't even know their names, I should know their names, if Maroon 5 is on the level of popularity like they are, I should know all their names, and if I don't, that's poor reporting, uh, you know, that, that's poor interviewing, that's poor, it, it's not good, like, those guys should get credit, and I just feel like they never did, and I think they were kind of happy with it, it's like, well, you know, we got a pretty boy front man, you know, and it's kind of taking us to the next level, we're getting paid really well, you know, because of him, like, everyone loves him, so, you know, as, I mean, I, I've been the front man, but I've also been the guy behind the kit. And the guy behind the kit gets not, no, like, gets nothing. He gets, you know, no one talks about that person. You get the musicians coming over saying, hey, that was great. You know, I really liked, the, you know, what you did on the, on, on the bridge of that song or whatever. Like, the musicians will notice that, but the general public doesn't. So, Maroon 5 stopped being Maroon 5 and started being the Adam Levine Project. And that's how the media treated it. And again, the same thing. No one cares about the music. They only care about the singing and the vocal. And that's all they care about in the lyrics. No one's listening to anything else. So the same thing happened with Adam Levine. Where, I mean, he was, in the beginning, it sounded like the band was trying to, to maintain uh, a credibility. I mean, I think Adam Levine's background, I mean, he's, he's mentioned a bunch of times, you know, his favorite bands, like, you know, I don't know, Guns N' Roses or, or something like that. Like, he likes his rock hard. And, you know, that's what he grew up on. Like, you know, you uh, love Soundgarden. Like, I would have never thought that. But they, it felt like they were getting more and more away from, okay, well, you know, even though I like this stuff, I'm just, let's keep that stuff kind of private. And, you know, let's keep it out of the public eye. We don't want people to know that I like rock music too. And then The Voice happens. As you can as you can tell, I'm starting to dislike this show, The Voice, because it's ruining a lot of things here. It's turning musicians like Adam Levine and Gwen Stefani into celebrities, and when they become celebrities, the musicianship does not matter anymore. It's all image. 
and that definitely happened with Adam Levine. There's just pictures of him with his shirt off all the time, and you know he's with these models and he's in these 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 shoots, and never do you see the other two guys in the band. Like they're nowhere to be seen. Like they're never around. Like no one cares. I will say the same thing kind of happened to the Goo Goo Dolls, but prominent in all. You know, it's always the, uh, the 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 guitarist and the bassist. They're in everything. I think they've rotated drummers a bunch of times, but you always see that bass player. He's always there, and they do treat it like a band. And yeah, they did cater to, you know, they got away from their you know original roots and you know went the the corporate way, the glossy way uh, that Maroon Five did and Gwen Stefani did, but at least. It, you know, there's a conscious effort to keep the bass player in the mix of things because obviously he's part of the sound. So, you know, I, I give them credit. Even though some people kind of maybe shit on Goo Goo Dolls, I give them credit for at least that, at least, you know, they're trying. And I think they're still, even though they're, they've got the pandering ballads and stuff, they're still doing rock songs as well. Like, you know, it's, it's not just one thing. It's a little bit of everything. But it, it feels like Maroon 5, again, you know, when everyone's in your ear telling you you're beautiful and you're awesome and, you know, Maroon 5 is Adam Levine, you hear that enough times and then everything else just starts to fall off the side and you start to believe what they're telling you. Well, you shouldn't be doing a rock song, Adam Levine. You should be doing a, a pop hit. I bet you you could write a big pop hit. You should write, no, no, let, let's take the guitar, let, let's take guitar out, let's keep it, you know, keyboard driven. Yeah, we need we need keyboard, and, and you know what? That I'm, yeah, I'm sure your drummer's fine, but let's just put a you know let's just loop a, a drum a drum beat here. Uh, your drummer wants to program the beat. Yeah, no, you know what? We'll do that. We'll we'll let the producer take care of that. Why don't you? You know what? Why don't, you, why don't the band just stay home? Why don't you just come in? Um, we'll take the music you know that you wrote. Um, did you co-write this with the other guys in the band? Okay, well, we'll we won't use those songs. The songs that you write, you can bring in the studio, and then we'll polish it up, and we'll tell you how to make it sound the way that'll sell. Yeah, Adam Levine. Maroon 5? No, 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 Adam Levine. The Adam Levine Project. Okay, gotcha. It just felt like it was going in that direction. And I don't know if you understand this or not, or if it makes sense, or if I'm just, it sounds like I'm talking out of my ass. But I really wanted to give props to the guy. I don't know if he's the bad guy. I think he's too far inside the machine, especially with the whole voice thing, the show The Voice, that it doesn't matter anymore. It's kind of irrelevant. Like, he has no idea what's going on, and he's stopped being relevant. He's just somebody singing a, a corporation's song. It, I mean, even if he is writing these songs, no one cares. It, it's the whole American Idol thing well you know what we're not looking for songwriters we're looking for singers who are pretty like that whole pressure on um, on um, oh what's your name American Idol runner up uh, Kelly Clarkson's thank you that whole thing with her I mean she would she wanted to write her own music and they kept saying no we have a division of our company that does that for you. We don't want you doing that. We don't want you to be a songwriter. A, because 
then we'll have to pay you royalties. We don't want to do that. But when she did, and hear me out here, there, there might be some, those that are on the anti-Adam Levine, anti-Gwen Stefani are going to really hate me now. But Kelly Clarkson pushed to do her own album that she wrote the songs for. She pushed and they said no. They said no. Well, maybe on your next album you can do that. Maybe, you know. And then finally, I mean, she really stood up to, to, to the machine that was uh, American Idol, the American Idol Corporation, or whatever you want to call it. But she really stood up and she finally put an album out that she wrote. And it didn't sell very well. Probably because it was never pushed. Probably because it was never promoted properly. And probably because the powers that be that let her finally put out that album that she really wanted to put out, they wanted it to fail. They needed it to fail. They needed to rein her back in and say, hey, guess what? Our songwriting is better than yours. Trust in us. We know the machine. We know how it works. Let us do our thing. Just sing the songs we write for you. And it really makes me angry because Kelly Clarkson is incredibly talented. And the album where she was writing her own songs is phenomenal. It's a great rock album. Yeah, it's got some pop to it. But man, this girl's got grit. This girl can sing anything. And the material on this album, the songs are so much better written. Um, there's more It's there's more production put into hearing what a guitar actually sounds like instead of synthesized. You can hear the guitars. You can hear the drums. You can hear the bass. That album kicks ass. Just kicks ass. From Kelly Clarkson. And you know what? Most of you don't even know this because they buried that album. That album should have been her best-selling album of her career. But it wasn't promoted right. And it was good. So Maroon 5, Adam Levine, here he is, pandering to the masses, doing exactly, writing exactly the, the stuff, the types of songs that the suits, the corporation the music industry wants out of him because you know what we can sell you better we can make more money we can sell more records or I guess it's not a thing we can get more streams more downloads more YouTube uh, YouTube views if you're parading around without a shirt on and we'll I mean the song doesn't have to be good we just need a song that portrays that image of you being you know every woman's fantasy we, we just need that we need that. We, you know, if you get a song with a guitar in it, you know what? You might get. You might. We don't want an audience of men. We want an, or you know, we want an audience of, of women that are lusting after you. That's that's the image we need from you. We, you know, if you put guitar in that, you you might scare some of those girls away. You might bring in some male audience, and you know, the female audience with you is strong enough, and we could just we just want to make it bigger and bigger and make you every woman's fantasy. That's. And we, we need the music, the soundtrack to go to that. Like, it just feels like that. And I, I don't know, I mean, I don't know the inner workings of the songwriting for anything that Adam Levine's done. And this is all, you know, juxtaposition within my head based on what I hear from headlines and tweets and, and what, you know, what I hear and what I see from the media. But he's got no credibility when they had this whole thing where they want to pull him from the Super Bowl because he doesn't represent rock and roll and he's like oh I represent rock and roll you know I grew up on this I grew up on that you know rock's dead all this sort of stuff all these statements he's making like he really needs a better public if he wants to get credibility 
which I think he could turn his career around. And by turn his career around and get credibility, because he has none, he is the least credible musician that sells the most amount of, moves the most amount of, 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 of albums or, or streams. He is so uh, impotent in the credibility side. But I, you know what? The guy still plays guitar. I'm sure he can wail. I'm sure he, I mean, he sang at the Chris Cornell tribute thing. And I mean, he sounded great. He sounded good. I mean, he can do it. Why don't you try and get some credibility back? You've got the money in the bank. You don't need to be bigger than you are. Go back and get that cred back. The cred that you almost had in the beginning that was lost because they jumped, they pounced on you right away and just turned you into a face instead of a voice uh, and a songwriter. Yeah. Wow, did I get heated up on that. So that's what I got to say about that whole thing. There's another artist that falls in this category. I mean, the same thing, like, the, if you think about it, they tried to do the same thing with Jim Morrison uh, way back in the day. Oh, you're, you know, you're better than your band. You're, you know, you're the shining star. And he never really, the Doors put out fairly consistent albums. I mean, it was always the band and the sound, and it was all four of them, and it was always all four of them. And they didn't cave into that. And I think Morrison, I mean, he played with the image a bit, but then he would do something revolting or shocking to to harm that image that people were constructing around him. He did that photo shoot, the famous photo shoot where he's wearing that beaded necklace or whatever with his shirt off. I mean, that whole time he was just like, ha ha. You know, it's like he was, he was in on the joke. But then they get one stoic pose out of him and then all of a sudden, you know, oh, he's He's a lover. He's a he's a, a he's an Adonis. He's you know all this sort of stuff. So then he goes and gets fat, almost, almost on purpose to kind of go. Hang on a second. You think you know me? You don't know me. I'll show you who Jim Morrison really is. You know that kind of thing. I want Adam Levine to do that. I want Adam Levine to show people that you know what. You know I'm going back to my effing roots. I'm going back. I want to. I want to prove to you, and and you are going to get criticized and laughed at and lauded, or not lauded. Uh, you're going to get mocked, but do it for your own soul, for your own self. You have the record industry by the balls right now. Take advantage and put out that record that you probably really actually want to put out. You can still do your pop stuff, but show your chops. Show your chops. Do like, like, as much as, as much as I may dislike Dave Grohl, despite the height of his success with this bro rock, he does, he does with the Foo Fighters, you know, which is a, a far cry. The first album was, I, I liked his first album a lot, but he kind of turned into, as talented as, that's the thing, it frustrates me. Okay, let's get into Dave Grohl. We're just going to do it. Dave Grohl is an amazing drummer, an, am, an amazing musician, an amazing songwriter. But, and he has written some great songs, and there are some Foo Fighters songs I like, 
but there's this image of Dave Grohl that people just really dislike. Like, he's the last known rocker. He's the only, you know, the Foo Fighters are the only rock band out there um, that's still, you know, that's still stadium level of the newer bands. And, but then he goes out and puts an album like Probot, which was, which was actually really freaking cool and heavy as all get out. I mean, he goes and does that. He didn't need to do that. So, I mean, I, I'll give him a little bit back and say, you know what? But he's still a phenomenal drummer. Like as much as I try to dislike him, I'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll hear him sit behind the kit, like on the Queens of Stone Age album or on something else. Like he's just backing up Lemmy or something or, you know, whatever. He's just doing one of those things. It's like, I really like him as a drummer. I really do. And yeah, I've played a lot of Nirvana songs in my time, a lot, over and over. And it was part of that sound I was talking about at the beginning of this episode. That no doubt sound that, you know, all you know, all those bands. Like Nirvana kind of fell into that whole cadre of drummers that I was following. Dave Grohl was like the guy when, you know, when Foo Fighters came out. I was like one of the first people, you know, to buy it. You know, well before Big Me came out. You know, I bought it when it came out, like the week of release or whatever it was. And I'm like, he played all the instruments and it was a great album. It was it was strong, it was good, it was, you know, it was freaking awesome, but, I mean, he's doing a bit of pandering a little bit, and he's kind of, it's called bro rock, I guess, I don't know, I mean, it's not bad, it's just, for as talented a guy as he is, he's kind of playing kind of generic rock, I, I, I like Dave Grohl when he experiments, I honestly do, I really like it when even his uh, that album Timepiece, which is not officially released or an official album or anything. Timepiece is pretty damn good, um, but I mean he still goes out and does all these side projects, and I think it's to keep relevant, but it's also to keep him hungry. And then he'll go do a Foo Fighters record to make everybody happy. That's fine, but I think I'd like to see him do a bit more. You know, okay, yeah, I know I did this. I mean his. His drumming on the Tenacious D records is sick. Absolutely sick. It is so good. It is so great. That's what I like hearing. And, you know, he can play different styles of music. And, you know, I, I really like seeing him make this band on, you know, all his loves instead of the bro rock sound that is Foo Fighters. But, you know, whatever. Take what you can get. Um... Anyway, wow, that that was a long drive. So all this podcast was all recorded on the way home to get, um, to go pick up gifts that we forgot to bring with us. Strange, eh? So now I'm looking for a parking spot. So I'd really like to hear your opinions. I I really respect Ryan Sorensen and the scene. I really do. Uh, I also really respect uh, Sam from Witch Police. Like, he's... Like, Sam's a great guy. Ryan's a great... I, I find, like, they're two people in the community that I think their voices need to be heard more and people should be, you know, listening to them more. I, I, I think they are uh, very important aspects of the music scene here. And I really, you know shout out to YouTube, but I really would like 
you know, ideally it would be great if I could get both of you on the show to discuss uh, the music, something about the music industry, but maybe we can set that up sometime in the future. But anyway, signing off here, 56 minutes. Holy croppers. All right, we'll see you guys on the flip side. Hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find me uh, all over the place. Sean Geek on Twitter, Sean Geek Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, Sean Geek Podcast, Sean McGinnity on YouTube, and a whole bunch of other places, or seanmcginnity.ca. See ya.